0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to Frightternity, the number one horror podcast on the internet. You're one stop for everything horror related. I'm your little brother Danny and I'm here with my big brother Sean. How's everybody doing tonight? Now Sean, last week we covered a fantastic film called Mark of the Devil and are you ready for the next film that we're going to cover? Most definitely. Are you ready for some anthology horror? I am very ready to cover some anthology. It's the first time on the show that we're going to do a movie that is a anthology horror, and it's really exciting.
1: And we have a strange bit of synchronicity here, because last week we covered Mark of the Devil. It features that wonderful line, the devil is in all of you, which is sampled in Rob Zombie's song, Meet the Creeper. And Meet the Creeper is exactly... What we're going to be doing tonight. So, Danny, what
0: wonderful anthology horror film is kicking our journey off? Well, Sean, we're going to be talking about Creep Show 2. Not one, two. We're doing the sequel first. So, why are we starting with Creep Show 2? Does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't.
1: <laughs> but, Danny, had you
0: heard of the Creep Show series? I have heard of it. Uh, I didn't really know much about it if anything really i just knew the name had you ever watched any anthology horror films before um i've seen tales from the hood and i really like that film but yeah other than that not really i've never watched any horror anthology or like horror tv show anthology kind of stuff yeah never watched it
1: cool well creepshow 2 was the first anthology horror film i saw as a kid i think as a kid you play it far more fast and loose with horror sequels. It doesn't matter nearly as much to you as it probably did to the more informed, shall we say? As a kid, you're more inclined to think, huh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, it's newer, it must be better.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, that kind of mindset, not only for movies, but anything as a kid, you're just like, well, it's the new one, it must be good if they're making a new one. <laughs> right. Right. We also can't talk about
1: Creepshow without talking a little bit about Tales from the Crypt. If you were a young horror nerd in the late 80s and early 90s, you loved this show. Plus it was on HBO, so if you could sneak an episode in, you were guaranteed at least a bit of blood and maybe some boobs. There was even an animated series called Tales from the Crypt Keeper that I would catch on one of the Saturday morning cartoon blocks. I even had these Tales from the Crypt children's books when I was in elementary school. There were a few volumes, and they had multiple hosts on the covers. The only tale I can recall was one where a man wandered through a town full of vampires and ended up being strung upside down in a pub and having a beer tap slammed into his neck as he was served to all the vampire patrons. (laughs) So I was no stranger to short horror tales that featured ghoulish hosts. I would notice the Creepshow films at the video store, and I assumed they were the film equivalent to A Tales from the Crypt. On the back of the box for Creepshow 2, they had some promo stills. One was from the raft segment, where one of the girls is just covered in the goo and being pulled under the water. Another image on the back was of the mangled hitchhiker's face when he's in the garage. It was those two images that made me gravitate towards Creepshow 2 over Creepshow 1. So I rented it one day, and as they say, the rest is history. I loved this movie. It delivered everything I wanted as a kid. It even has the wonderful animated interludes. I'm not here to say it's the best horror anthology film out there. It definitely wasn't that well received upon its initial release, but it's definitely found its home. One of my biggest regrets in horror collecting in the Blu-ray era is missing out on Arrow Video's limited edition release of this. I just didn't see it selling out as quickly as it did. I do have the standard release, but the gap in my limited edition Arrow Video shelf haunts me to
0: this day. So... What about the limited edition uh, did you really like about it?
1: Well, when Arrow does the limited editions, they come in these thick, hard cases and usually come with a poster and a booklet full of information Mm. the disc and the main blu-ray case are the same but there's just extras in there and i just didn't see it coming man i slept on that one (laughs) (laughs) i scoped it out on ebay a few times and just couldn't pull the trigger on those prices though you know one day so before we hop into the three tales of terror i just want to say that We're going to be doing things after the feature a little differently. Instead of favorite scene, we'll be doing favorite segment tonight. And you can't just have one kill or one favorite kill in an anthology horror film. So we'll be throwing two out there, a runner up and our main pick. So
0: stay tuned for that. But before we start, I just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Frighternity. That's at Frighternity can follow us keep up to date on everything we're doing we have an email it's fraternity at gmail.com that's fraternity at gmail.com you can send us email questions comments anything that you like we'll be happy to read it and respond and we have a youtube channel you go over to youtube type in fraternity you'll find our channel go give us some likes subscribe click the bell all that great stuff and go watch those videos over there and keep up to date with everything fraternity is doing All right. We open
1: on a main street in some town when a delivery truck pulls up, and we see a young boy named Billy sitting on his bike, waiting impatiently for this delivery truck. In the back of the truck, we meet the creep, and this dude has a serious skin condition. (laughs) He acknowledges Billy and his excitement before tossing a package full of the latest issue of Creepshow onto the sidewalk. And suddenly the segment becomes animated, and we have our first bit of animated horror on Fraternity here. Yeah. Did you see this coming, or what did you think?
0: I did not see this animated transition coming. It was awesome. It was quite a delight. I was like, ooh, we get to see some uh, animation here in this film. That's cool. Yeah, from here on out, the interludes will be animated,
1: and... Next, we get an awesome credit sequence that shows comic book-style panels of scenes from the segments that make up the movie. And then the animated creep appears to introduce the first segment, and the animated creep is suffering from a serious cock-and-balls face here. (laughs) So we're off to our first segment, titled Old Chief Woodenhead. We meet a man named Ray Spruce the owner and operator of a general store in a really crummy, dying town. We see him chatting with the wooden Indian that stands guard outside of his store as he touches up the chief's war paint. We then meet his wife Martha, and we get a conversation between them that reveals how bad the situation in this town actually is. We also see they have hearts of gold, standard, heavy-handed short story stuff, but I think the actors do a good job here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate how wholehearted this intro feels to ray and his wife martha like they're just such good people and you're just like no nothing bad can happen to these people no <laughs> you don't want it to happen so i i yeah. uh, give them props for that
1: they notice a native american elder by the name of benjamin white moon just across the street and for some reason they drive all of the 10 feet over to the <laughs> general store They could have just walked. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin asks to speak with Ray inside. And Ray has been helping Benjamin and the tribe through these difficult times. And we see that Benjamin has brought Ray the Aline Danny, the Chachimba.
0: The Chachimba.
1: So each family in the tribe has offered up an item of valuable jewelry. And Benjamin asks for Ray to hold on to it. Ray attempts to refuse, but Benjamin makes the point that it's a bad thing to beg, but it's a little better to borrow. If they're borrowing, they can keep their pride. So it becomes impossible for Ray to reject
0: this gesture. Yeah, and Ray says he'll guard him with his life, and we'll soon see he means it. Martha's faith in humanity is restored, and they
1: see Benjamin out. And we get this great bit here where Benjamin says farewell to the old chief Woodenhead. And we see it kind of move a bit and Benjamin notices, but doesn't really say anything.
0: Ray comes out and he says to the chief wooden head statue that he'll finish his war paint tomorrow. And speaking of red paint, as Martha and Ray go back into their store, we see Sam White Moon, Benjamin's estranged nephew, armed with a shotgun and two of his goonies with him.
1: Yeah, Sam has a shotgun and bad intentions. You can read it on, I mean, read it on his face. (laughs) Yeah, his two goons are a rich kid who has a nice car named Kavanaugh, who's robbing the store while Sam keeps his eye on Martha and Ray. Then there's a guy named Fat Stuff, who also robs the store, but in a more stereotypical fat slob, eat everything in sight kind
0: of way. He's just chowing down on some uh, little Debbie snacks over in the corner.
1: (laughs) Real shitty trio here. Again, a product of short stories is you have to make them as unlikable, as humanly possible, as fast as possible. We learn that Sam is a self-absorbed douchebag with serious delusions of grandeur. He has this long black hair that he thinks is going to make him a star. It took him nine years to grow that hair. He ain't fucking around. It's gonna get him paid and laid and you better believe it. The shit this guy spouts... I can't believe he isn't the least bit red in the face. (laughs) ba dum -dum ching (laughs) And look, we've made a few jokes at the expense of the actor doing red face here. We all see it. It's egregious. But time to move on. (laughs) (laughs) The stick-up has almost wrapped, and Kavanaugh has been sent to get the car. And Sam grabs Martha and demands that Ray hand over the chachimba before they leave
0: the rock candy (laughs) about ten thousand dollars worth of rock candy in that bag from benjamin
1: yeah a struggle between fat stuff and ray ensues as he pleads for sam not to take the jewelry because it belongs to the tribe and the struggle ends when a shotgun blast rings out and we see martha has been shot point blank in her side It's awesome because we don't see a wound, but we watch as a bloodstain spreads across her clothes as they become soaked from the blood. In shock, Ray walks towards his fallen wife and is subsequently shot and killed as well. And Sam helps Fat Stuff regain his composure after the murders and they leave. And Sam shoots up the storefront before they roll out, including old Chief Woodenhead. There ain't no dust in Hollywood, man. Once the boys leave, we see Old Chief Woodenhead really start to animate and come to life. And he applies his own war paint before letting out this tortured scream. Any thoughts on uh, the look
0: of Old Chief Woodenhead here? I really like it. I mean, it's such an interesting concept for a Native American wooden statue to come to life and enact revenge on uh, his fallen store owner. It's uh, heartwarming.
1: Definitely. Sam tells the guys they're gonna go home, get their shit, and hit the road at 11. And the first person we see is Fat Stuff at his trailer.
0: And it's just as dumpy as you probably imagined. (laughs) It's a mess. He's got some uh, old chicken nuggets in his fridge, and he's got a beer. He sits down, and he's chowing down.
1: Yeah, and before you know it, an arrow rips through his back and bursts out of his chest. And within seconds, another arrow rips through him. And this one brilliantly goes through his hand and the beer, and we see the
0: beer spilling out, and then one final arrow through the head, and fat stuff is no more. Next up, we cut to Kavanaugh, and we see him try to sneak down his hallway without alerting his parents, but he hears some thrashing going on in the garage, and he goes to investigate, and he sees that his car is completely smashed up, just totally wrecked. And he goes to look around, and he turns his back, and we get this awesome silhouette of the chief approaching him, and the chief is wielding his axe. He axes Kavanaugh to death, and I really love that silhouette shot. So creative.
1: Yeah, it's good. We see the whack, and then you get the blood splatter on the wall. Really good stuff. We also get a nice aftermath shot of Kavanaugh just splayed out on the
0: hood. Yeah, it's really nice. And now there's one more. We see Sam oogling himself in the mirror, but he hears a noise. (laughs) He hears a noise and he turns around and he sees Woodenhead standing in his door and he's like, no, you can't be alive, man. He's just shocked at what he's seeing.
1: Yeah, we finally get to see Old Chief Woodenhead in motion as he goes after Sam here who hides in the bathroom and he keeps his shotgun pointed at the door. But Old Chief Woodenhead bursts through the wall like a Terminator (laughs) and pulls Sam's head through. And we watch him scream in horror as we get the obvious setup for a scalping. And Woodenhead brings the knife down, but we cut away before the money shot. And we're left listening to this epic scream.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and this scream goes on for a good 10-15 seconds, too.
1: (laughs) The next morning... Benjamin wakes up to find the bag of Chachimba and bloodstains next to him in bed. So he heads over to the general store and finds Old Chief Woodenhead standing guard. But we see the glorious head of hair attached to the scalp in his hand still dripping blood. And Benjamin acknowledges the chief and says, May your spirit rest, old one. And that's
0: the end of that segment.
1: So what are your thoughts on Old Chief Woodenhead, Danny? It's good.
0: Again, I appreciate they put a lot of effort into really making you uh like Ray and portray Ray and his wife as really good people and you like Benjamin too. You really feel their pride. And then you just end up hating Sam, you know. The he does a really good job at being just an asshole, vain villain. I guess my only complaint is that I feel like the majority of this one is a lot of setup in the beginning and then the kills are really like over in five minutes and then that's it i have another complaint but i'll save it for later because it has to do with uh, my favorite one of my favorite uh kills
1: i think it's good because it is a touching tale in the sense of if you look at stuff like the brave little toaster or toy story children always had this fascination with their inanimate objects having sentience Mm mm-hmm and I think the idea of a cigar store Indian seeking frontier justice against the killers of the shop owners is touching in the same way. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. It is, uh, like I said, it's a really interesting concept and it is very touching, for sure.
1: We return to our animated wraparound tale as we watch Billy pick up a package, and it seems like he's ordered a giant Venus flytrap bulb out of the Show magazine. It's very brief. And the creep quickly appears to introduce the second tale, which is The Raft. Of all the creep show segments, this one has always felt the most 80s to me. <laughs> we meet a group of teenagers smoking dope as they drive out to a lake. You've got the jock, Deke, in the driver's seat. Next to him is his girlfriend, Laverne. You've got the nerd, Randy, or Poncho, as Deke calls him. And how this white bread geek got the nickname Poncho is never explained, but I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I thought he was making a reference to something, calling him Poncho, I don't know. Does he call that in, in the car? Yeah, yeah. Huh, I didn't notice that. Well, now, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's something going
1: on, because Randy also calls Deke Cisco, but I don't fucking know. <laughs> also in the back is Rachel, and did you get the sense that Rachel was... Randy's girlfriend or just a
0: friend? Um, it's hard to say. I think they're just friends. It seemed like they were trying to set up like a love triangle thing because while they're in the car, we see Randy is uh kind of staring at Laverne, like he's obviously got a thing for Laverne, even though she's with Deek. Whenever Randy is interacting with Laverne, Rachel kind of has like a scowl on her face, like she's obviously upset. So I think she likes Randy, and then Randy likes Laverne, so it's a love triangle. But I'm not sure if they're together or not. I don't think so, but I don't know. I could be wrong.
1: Randy assures the group that a raft will be out on a lake. And we get some really bad stoned acting where he's like, the raft will will be there, man. Like the raft, <laughs> it'll be there.
0: I didn't I, I didn't know he was trying to act stoned. I was just confused when he was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's
1: October and they're planning to swim out to this raft and just hang out. Seems like an odd thing to do in October, (laughs) but I guess it depends on the location, right? They
0: certainly aren't dressed like it's October.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Soon enough, we're at the lake and we get to watch the men walk in first and proceed to shiver as they deal with a severe case of shrinking testicles. There's also a good moment where Laverne seems apprehensive to get in the water and Rachel just walks right in like a boss, but as the group swims out to the raft, Randy notices a duck struggling in some gunk in the distance, and as him and Deke reach the raft, he notices this blob start to approach.
0: Yeah, it's this large, black, kind of pulsating, gooey mass. I don't know what you want to refer to this thing as.
1: I don't know what to think of this thing. Sometimes it looks cool, like a tar pit with all kinds of trash and debris in it. Uh-huh. At times it looks like it has barnacles or like, you know how your fingertips look when they're pale yeah, and yeah, pruned?
0: Yeah. yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, I really like those close-up shots when it looks like your finger when you've been in the bath for too long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sometimes it just looks like someone's pool cover floating in a lake, Yeah, sometimes it just looks
0: like a tarp that flew off.
1: (laughs) I think it's a blob. We can call it the blob. The blob, okay. (laughs) So they get the girls on the raft just in time, and everyone begins to take notice. And Randy thinks something strange is going on, but Deke chalks it up to him being stoned. He says, I can't get worried about it. I mean, as hard as I try. I just can't get worried about it. Either way, the calm changes within an instant because Rachel grazes her fingertips over this black goo and it leaps from the mass and latches onto her skin. And we see it's like acidic because we can immediately see wounds on her flesh as it pulsates and melts.
0: Yeah, it's like burning her skin off and we're seeing just like her gory arm.
1: Yeah, it fully wraps around her and pulls her in, and then we see her rise out of the gunk,
0: and she's like, "It hurts! It hurts! It hurts!" And she's like pleading, she's pleading for them to save her, and Randy wants to jump in, but Deek is like, "She's already dead, dude," and we just have to watch Rachel get eaten by this blob. We then watch her slowly sink below the
1: surface like a turd with human features. <laughs> And the worst acting award goes to Deke, though, because after watching his friend die, he's like, it ain't Rachel, man. It fucking ate her up. What is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> no emotion. Oh, it's bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Most of the acting in this short is uh, bad.
1: <laughs> the group discusses making a swim for it before deciding to wait it out and see if the thing goes away on its own. And after a while, the group becomes frightened as the goop starts moving under the raft. And Deke decides to go ahead and swim for it. But before he can dive, he's grabbed by the blob.
0: It grabs him by the foot and you just see his foot start to melt. And it's slowly pulling him through this raft. And, you know, Deke's a big guy and it's basically trying to pull him through uh, (laughs) this really tiny opening.
1: Yeah, Randy and Laverne watching horror as Deke is pulled down and the wood breaks beneath him. And we get this fabulous contortion death as his leg does an upright split to where his foot is by his head.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's great stuff. I was like, hell yeah, (laughs) that's my kind of kill right there. And then
1: to finish off his death, we get this great shot of his class ring getting stuck between the boards. After Deke is dead, Laverne jumps into Randy's arms, and he struggles to stay on the boards and hold her up as the blob attempts to latch onto them from between the boards. We then get this extended day-for-night shot where Randy and Laverne take turns standing watch and sleeping, trying to keep one another warm. But the next morning, Randy wakes up and has seemingly forgot the life-threatening predicament he's in, and suddenly has the urge to molest
0: Laverne. (laughs) Oh man. For some reason, this is the best time to get some rape going on (laughs) in a life threatening situation. How much is wrong with this scene? (laughs) Oh, it's wrong on basically all levels.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Randy the molester lifts Laverne's sweater and exposes her breasts and begins to kiss all on her body. It's fucking creepy. And the worst part is they play this fucking strange coming-of-age budding romance music over all of this. (laughs) I really don't get it. And Randy is made completely irredeemable. And he seems a little too experienced here. Like, I think he's a repeat offender. (laughs) There is no doubt in my mind that he's molested before. (laughs) <laughs> that blob better look out if it's female
0: <laughs> well it seemed like laverne was about to wake up and he quickly pulled her shirt down as to uh not draw any attention to what he was doing but we see laverne she's now laying on her side her face is on its side laying on the raft and laverne starts to scream and we see her turn and we see that the blob has latched on to her face through the boards So, Randy has effectively gotten Laverne killed here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: We watch as it just consumes her, her face dissolving into gore as Randy watches on in horror. As it just slurps her off the
0: raft. (laughs) This is the best kill in here because it's like, we just see Randy, like, this was his doing. This was his fault. And we see poor Laverne just get dragged. and. Begging for help, and we just see helpless Randy right there, just have to watch.
1: Yeah, he decides to swim for it though, and we see Laverne resurface for a moment as she's been reduced to a skeleton,
0: but she's still gurgling. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Yeah, I love that shot of her skeleton covered in the black goo.
1: The blob chases Randy, and he makes it onto the shore just in time, but he becomes super braggadocious on the edge of the water, like, I beat you, I beat you, when all of a sudden the blob leaps out of the water like a damn tidal wave and consumes him.
0: Yeah, Randy, your mistake was assuming that it was confined to the water. It has jumping capabilities, (laughs) which if it did, why didn't it do that earlier?
1: (laughs) That's a good point. The last scene is of the burping blob sliding back into the water oh, as it uh, dissolves. Why, Randy,
0: what what the fuck is with the burp? Like, come on! That was <laughs> I don't so, know. That, that was so out of place. That upset me. <laughs> it should have like, farted. <laughs> <laughs> it should have shit all of them out into a pile. <laughs>
1: I think a car battery company missed some product placement here too, because the car is still on. <laughs> it's been on all night. Yeah,
0: I don't know uh, what car battery they've been using, but <laughs> damn good.
1: <laughs> the camera pans into some growth, and we see a no-swimming sign hidden from view. And that's the end of the segment. So, give us your thoughts on the raft, Danny.
0: Like we said, probably the worst acted of the three stories here. But I do like the premise, and I assume it's pretty difficult to make this floating circle in the water scary. (laughs) (laughs) And I think they almost pull it off. Like I said, I do like those close-up shots of the mass when it looks like a barnacle or something. And when it does attack, the kills are definitely worth it. But I think where I struggle is finding it scary when it's just dormant and not doing anything. Right. But overall, I think this one is pretty good, too.
1: Cool. Well, back in Toontown, we find Billy riding his bike, and he ends up getting surrounded by a group of bullies who steal his package. The ringleader smashes his Venus flytrap bulb and gets in his face before Billy delivers a swift kick in the nuts and flees. So the bullies give chase as the creep pokes out from behind a tree to introduce us to our final morbid tale of the night, The Hitchhiker. Annie Lansing wakes up late after a tryst with her gigolo, and she quickly rushes to get dressed while denouncing those pesky digital pieces of junk alarm clocks. Talk about dated!
0: (laughs) Yeah, talk about the most 80s feeling. Like, this one makes it sound like digital alarm clocks are, like, such a new thing.
1: (laughs) Right, they even had to explain it, like, it goes to 12 when the power goes out
0: Ugh. her gigolo is like yeah i don't like the analog ones because they sound like a school bell i like the uh digital ones because they sound like birds singing i just want to know what fucking alarm clock does he have because i'd like that one too because every digital alarm clock i had ever had <laughs> has been the most annoying buzz you've ever heard <laughs> he's full of shit. <laughs>
1: I like they have a discussion over introductory rates and multiple orgasms and charging by the orgasm before Miss Lansing leaves. (laughs) She has to get home soon in order to avoid getting caught by her lawyer husband and ending up in divorce court. She sparks up a cigarette as she has the impossible task of going 20 miles in 15 minutes. Distracted with ash and ember falling on the leather seat of her precious Mercedes. She ends up losing control of the vehicle and creaming a poor hitchhiker as she fights to regain control of the car. She comes to a stop and we see this hitchhiker just splattered on the side of the road. His blood covered cardboard sign with the city of Dover written on it swirls in the wind. What did you think of this accident?
0: (laughs) I love premises where it's like, I just did something bad and I don't think I'm ready to admit it. And just we see Annie just turn her. Headlights off and drive off as a car behind her is starting to approach.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that vehicle that arrives just so happens to be Mr. Lansing. And we also get Stephen King as a trucker (laughs) showing up. (laughs) And they secure the scene and call the authorities. And another couple pulls up and asks what happened. And Stephen King is like, Some guy got creamed. It happens all the time. What do you think happened? The guy got creamed. It's almost prophetic. (laughs) Surely more than he would have ever suspected.
0: I love Stephen King in this scene. He's just so funny. <laughs> He's has such a recognizable face. Right.
1: It's like obvious cameo can't be more obvious. I
0: love obvious cameos. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Th- there's a special place for
0: him, for sure.
1: We rejoin Miss Lansing, who is questioning if she can live with this or herself. And she attempts to convince herself that perhaps the hitchhiker isn't dead. But she ends up slamming on the brakes as she notices the hitchhiker standing on the side of the road and waving her down. He then disappears and Mrs. Lansing says, You're seeing things, bitch. You can't live with it. But before she can pull off, the hitchhiker with his cracked skull and mangled face taps on her window and says,
0: Thanks for the ride, lady. Hey, lady. Thanks for the ride.
1: (laughs) She screams and puts some distance between them before stopping again. And as she sits there, the hitchhiker's hand comes down from the open sunroof and grabs her. He's just trying to thank her for the ride. She ends up shutting the window and crushing his hand and trapping him to the car. And we get the first of two really awesome dude hanging onto the outside of a moving car stunts. It's great late 80s stunt work as he hangs from the side of the car at first and eventually climbs up on the top.
0: Yeah, and Annie's doing everything to get this dude off the car but the hitchhiker has a strong grip she even drives off road into the forest attempting to use the trees and the foliage as a means to knock the hitchhiker off the roof but still the hitchhiker continually grabs annie in her face and in her hair
1: (laughs) yeah he clings to the car but eventually he gets annihilated by this giant
0: branch that just knocks the shit out of him We see Annie stop for a minute, and she reaches into her glove box to grab a gun, and as soon as she grabs it, the hitchhiker opens her passenger door, thanking her once more, but Annie shoots him, not once, not twice, but repeatedly. (laughs) Thanks for the ride, lady. Hey, lady. Thanks for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) And though the hitchhiker continues to get more scarred, more bloodied up, he just will not die, and he continues to thank her. Annie eventually starts to kick him and she manages to kick him out of the car and she drives forward only to put it in reverse and run over in reverse this hitchhiker.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she then runs over him one last time before driving off wondering what in the fuck is going on. She's like, who is this guy? Who is he? (laughs) And before you know it, we see the hand of the hitchhiker appear on the hood as he climbs out from underneath the vehicle. And he holds up his cardboard sign that now says you killed me causing Annie to have a screaming mental meltdown here. And we get our second awesome stunt sequence as Annie takes the car off road again and they careen downhill as the hitchhiker clings to the front of the car pounding his fist against the hood and Annie ends up driving him right into a tree and as he lays there she begins backing up and ramming him into oblivion. Before she bashes her head on the steering wheel and knocks herself unconscious. We've all done that
0: in Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) (laughs) Smashed someone against a wall repeatedly.
1: You're not wrong. (laughs) Annie wakes up after a brief snowfall and assumes she wrecked into a tree. And there's no sign of the hitchhiker from before. So she drives home, pulls into the garage, and noticing for the first time ever her husband isn't home. She opens the car door to step out and is greeted by the hitchhiker, still thanking her for the ride. He doesn't even look human anymore.
0: Yeah, his his eyes are like on the opposite sides of his face. You can just make out like a mouth and tongue,
1: (laughs) I think. Yeah, his jaw is all but gone and like the tongue is just hanging there. So Mrs. Lansing retreats back into her car, but the hitchhiker jumps on her. She screams in terror as the garage door begins to close and the room fills with exhaust fumes. Later we see Mr. Lansing arrive and open the garage door and smoke billows out so he exits the car and goes inside. He calls out to his wife before finding her dead body in the car. No sign of the hitchhiker, but the blood-splattered Dover sign hanging around her neck. And that's the end of our final segment. So what did you think about the hitchhiker, Danny?
0: Yeah, I think this one's great. I think it's really well acted. I like the tension between Annie and the hitchhiker here. And the hitchhiker, just really awesome makeup job on him. It's just great to see him just get continually more disgusting and bloody (laughs) as the film goes on. Yeah, this one is, uh, I think, really well paced too.
1: To me, it's kind of one note, but it's definitely the most memorable of the three. I think every 80s horror fan is familiar with the thanks for the ride phrase. I also like how it never explicitly reveals the truth of what's going on. Could this be a woman having a mental breakdown due to the guilt she has over killing the hitchhiker? Or are we actually witnessing a vengeful spirit in action here? In the world of creep show, I think that either is possible. And what I think makes this segment so good is that it works both ways, so it really doesn't need to explain itself.
0: Yeah, totally. That's another thing I really like about it too is, yeah, you don't know if this is just Annie having delusions because she can't admit to herself that she just killed somebody.
1: After the segment, we see the conclusion to the animated tale. Billy leads the bullies onto some private, unincorporated land. The bullies think they have Billy cornered, but it's actually Billy leading them into a trap as we see giant Venus flytrap monsters rise up and begin to eat the kids. We then return to live action, where we see the creep in the back of his truck laughing. He tosses issues of Creep Show out as the truck drives off and the credits roll. And that's the
0: end of our movie.
1: So Danny, what did you think of Creep Show 2 as a whole?
0: As a whole, it's just fun. It's a really fun movie. I don't think anyone could sit down and not at least enjoy one segment out of three. Or even if you just enjoy the interludes with the animation. I think there's something to enjoy here for everybody. And yeah, like I said, it's just a really entertaining film.
1: Cool. Well, all right, man. Let's not waste any time here. What was
0: your favorite segment? My favorite segment? It's got to be the Hitchhiker. Nice. Like we were saying earlier, it has that element of, is this really going on or is this all delusions in Annie's head? And that question, I think, Is something I really enjoy, that ambiguity in the story. I think this is the most well-acted of the three films, in my opinion. I think it has the strongest story and backbone. The Hitchhiker's great, but I really love those moments in the story when Annie is just talking to herself in her car and just like, you know, she's kind of going through the five stages of grief here where at first she denies it and says, well, I don't know if I even killed him, you know, I don't know if he's dead. And then she moves on to bargain and is like, I'll turn myself in, you know, if I can't live with it. And I just think it's a really interesting story. Like I said, I really enjoy the ambiguity of it all.
1: Awesome. Good choice. Well said. Great points.
0: Hard to argue. What about you, Sean? What's your favorite segment of Creepshow 2?
1: Well, in terms of storytelling, time management, character development, and acting, it's probably the worst. But that doesn't stop the raft from being my favorite segment.
0: I knew you were going to pick the raft. I was just, I just knew this was the Sean pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a big fan of the blob films, and there really aren't enough killer amorphous blob films in the world, if you ask me. So you kind of have to take what you get.
0: You're not, you're not wrong. That's a, that's a good, that's a good point. There's something to be said about nasty blobs that just eat you and kill you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. You have to take what you can get. And if that's the crummy middle section of a horror anthology film, by God, I'm going to take it. (laughs) Awesome. So, like I said earlier, for Favorite Kill this week, since we're dealing with an anthology film, we thought we would open things up to two picks a runner up and an overall pick. So, Danny, why don't we start with your runner up?
0: My runner up, it's got to be Sam White Moon's Scalping. The reason this one is my runner-up, I really like when, you know, Chief Woodenhead grabs his head through the wall and just smashes it, like you said, Mm Terminator-style, and pulls him through and gets ready for this scalping. And if we saw the scalping, I think that would edge it to be my favorite here. We do see Sam's hair and scalp in the fist of Woodenhead later, towards the end, but if we just saw that scalping... I think it would have been all worth it for me. (laughs) Right on. My runner-up kill goes to fat stuff. Nice.
1: I really like the way that sequence is edited, splicing between arrows and nudie pictures on the wall. It's well done, plus it's so abrupt. I'm also a huge fan of that second arrow, the way they have it pierced through his hand (laughs) and the beer, and we see the beer spilling out. It's not the kill so much, it's just the way it's filmed that Makes it my runner up definitely, yeah, that's a solid choice, all right, Danny. So what is your overall favorite kill in Creep show Two?
0: My favorite kill? it's gonna be Laverne, nice, I said it earlier, but it's just like I really enjoy Randy having to just sit with his decision to get all molesty with Laverne and it ending up killing Laverne here as she gets. Dragged into the water, and I love it. She's just pleading for help as Randy just sits there and can't do anything. And <laughs> that shot later of her coming up from the water, and it's just her skeleton left, and but it still makes a like gurgling sound. That's awesome. I love it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Great choice. You know, I was actually a little concerned that we were gonna both pick the same things, and I'm happy to report we will not have a duplicate pick today
0: cool well i'm interested in what your pick is sean
1: my overall pick
0: for favorite kill goes to deke (laughs) solid solid Uh, what almost made my list
1: i already said how it's my favorite segment due to a lack of killer amorphous blob films a good contortion kill is also a rare occurrence and this one is great not to mention deke is in a speedo through all of this
0: (laughs) i think it's cock bent too
1: (laughs) i wouldn't doubt it you know watching the shit wrap around deke's leg and start to pull him through this tiny crack in the wood and the way it puts him into that full upright split and we see him spitting blood as he gets pulled under with his contorted foot dangling
0: right by his face i just love it (laughs) solid picks for sure. Solid. Yeah, I mean, I think all the kills in The Raft are really good. Laverne and Deke are definitely uh, the better ones.
1: Yeah, agreed. And we'd love to know what your favorite kill or favorite segment is, so shoot us a DM on Twitter or email us fraternity at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, that's the question of the week. What's your favorite kill from Creepshow 2? Let us know. All righty, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed
1: the episode. That's our start to February and stay tuned because next week we have our Valentine special coming at you and we hope you enjoy the pick. It's one of my personal favorites
0: and we hope to see you there. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening everybody and have a great night.